Hey y'all, Trey here. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of our conversation. We recorded this episode in late January, just after moving from the low desert of La Quinta, California to the high desert of Joshua Tree, California. We talk about embracing change, processing our emotions, the pitfalls of tying our worth to our work, and the feeling of being seen by those we love. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. today from just outside of Joshua Tree, California. Mm-hmm. We recently moved from the Lake Palm Springs, La Quinta area. Mm-hmm. We, this is just a part of our year of nomadic living. Um, yeah, so how long have we been here? About a week and a half? Yeah, about Something 10 like days. That. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, that's part of our year, or however long, of nomadic living. And the intention with that, for me at least, was, you know, I grew up in this, like, the same house my Mm -hmm. entire life in southern Kentucky. As soon as I could drive, I was exploring going to, like, Nashville. Mm -hmm. And that's basically where I moved to when I turned 18 and just never left. And so for the 13 years of living in Nashville increasingly in the latter half of that time I was just feeling like I'm ready for the next I'm ready for the next and I didn't really know where the next would be I had ideas Mm. and so for me the intention of this this like experiment you'll hear our cat chirping in the background um, was to experience new places feel into what it's like there one, right, mm-hmm. to see what I like, and two, to get the fuck out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and to practice really putting to use these tools that I have to ground myself and to help myself feel safe no matter where I am um, and kind of just emerge into the flow of, like, of life. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say my intention was similar. Um, yeah, I think we have similar backgrounds as far as I grew up <clears throat> mostly in the same house, like from the time I was four and a half or so until I graduated high school. Both of our parents are still in that. Right. Yeah. They're still in that home. Yeah. Um, went to college just a couple hours away. Um, then moved to Nashville, which is a, a couple more hours away. But yeah, I mean, we've always been very close to, to home relatively. Um, even when we've been on our own. And I think we were both just excited to broaden our perspectives. I mean, we've traveled quite a bit, um, you know, one-off trips and and weeks and things like that, but um, nothing like this. So, yeah, I think my intentions were similar. I think I um, was a little less conscious than you probably of... Um, putting myself into discomfort. Um, I think that's certainly what has happened and has helped me grow, but I think you're often a couple of steps ahead of me in your um, conscious growth. Um, I don't know about that, but yeah, in regards to this one area. In this instance, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
I mean, I think I can remember back to when we were first started talking about um, selling our house in Nashville, and it was something that you had mentioned first, or you mentioned it in some way, um, and yeah. it didn't even like register consciously to me. And then, like a few weeks later, we were sitting on the on our porch, and. I was just like, why don't we sell the house? And it felt to me in that moment like it was my idea. <laughs> it was definitely your idea to begin with. Well, I've gone to an energy healer. Yeah. And she's someone who communicates with your inner voice. And mm. my inner voice was just giving me very clear messages about needing to experience living near the mountains and near mm -hmm. the coast and just hungry for these new experiences that I'd been consciously craving for a while, mm. but abstaining from. Yeah. And so I do remember coming home and it did feel uncomfortable to vocalize that to you. Because at that point we were thinking, you know, like we had kind of gone through all of this before we bought our home. Like, mm -hmm. oh, do we travel around? Do we try on new places? And then we just didn't. Right. And then we bought our home and we were talking about building onto it when I was like, actually, let's, let's move. And then yeah. two weeks later you were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we were in the middle of, I mean, we had drawn up plans and we're talking to contractors even about building a studio on the back of the house for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we went completely in the opposite <laughs> direction for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we were both just wanting to get outside of, of our comfort zone and, and see um, what happened in new spaces. One of my favorite like life mantras. I, I've heard someone else say a version of this years ago, and I've just like adopted it as my own. But it's just like I, I delight and like or like I surprise myself all the time. Like it's a great joy of mine to like to follow these whims or to to honor these whims mm -hmm. um, and to not have it all figured out. And so that was just a very embodied moment <laughs> of us. Anyways, so, so oh. we went on the journey. We started in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think that's part of, like, us surprising ourselves all the time, yeah. too, is Salt Lake City wasn't, like, any place that we wanted to live, necessarily. Um, yeah, but you had a... A retreat for the mastermind that I was a part of in, mm -hmm. like, Park City. And so we found this little neighborhood online in Salt Lake that was called Sugar House, and it's just like very walkable. Living there for weeks into our stay, so we ended up staying there two months. Mm -hmm. And I described it to friends and family as like a mountainous, like a small town mountain slice of New York City. It was just mm -hmm. like we had like endless grocery stores and walking distance, endless coffee shops and cafes. And yeah. you walked to the dentist, I walked to the massage yeah. studio. Like there was just so much accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think that we both really liked that. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I love that, for sure. Because um, then when we came to La Quinta, yeah. it was like the exact opposite. It was like very spread out. Right. It was kind of like a retirement community vibe-ish. Yeah, because um, yeah. we were way, we were tucked back into La Quinta Cove. And yeah, it's um, definitely a neighborhood with a lot of older, probably retirees. Um, some families too. I mean, there was a mm -hmm. school there and stuff, but definitely not um, like no grocery stores within, no stores at all within walking distance. Really, um, yeah. was a really beautiful like park and 
desert to walk to that we could hike in, which was lovely. Yeah, there was like um, a public trailhead with just like amazing like trails, but then also there was like a labyrinth. There was just like little nooks and stuff, and it was in walking distance, less than two Mm -hmm. quarters of a mile. Yeah. Um, So we got back into our habit of driving places, which we were pretty used to in Nashville. I mean, Nashville, we didn't really have a lot of stuff within walking distance either. Um, And now we're way, well, not way out here in the (laughs) desert, but we're in the desert. We're in a very rural place, dirt roads, um, high desert outside of Joshua Tree, Um, but still only like a 15-minute drive down to, you know, the nearest town where we can get what we need. Um, so yeah, we've been trying on a lot of different versions of, of what we want. Um, and I think we found a lot of things to like and some things that we don't like in each place, I would say. Yeah. So, so like to give you an example, um, when we were buying our first home or considering that there was a period of time where we were both thinking like small, living small or Mm. like living in a small home, if not a tiny home. Um, was something that would appeal to both of us. Mm-hmm. Minimalism, in some fashion, had kind of been a tool right. of growth. Um, and so the house that we stayed in, in La Quinta was just like really special because it was so much larger. I mean, it was still under 2,000 square feet, but it was the largest home that we've ever lived in. I think it was like 1,800. Yeah. Um, and it had... Um, a garage right mm-hmm. there, which I've never lived in a house in my adult life, at least, that had a garage attached to it. Right. I don't know. There were just these things about it that I would have never guessed or that I would want for myself, but mm-hmm. I really, I loved it. It felt very um, spacious, and I loved the large ceilings. It just, there was something about it that felt very, like, I mean, sovereign is my word of the year, and I think that's kind of, was the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. There's a pool, I mean, totally. a backyard hammock. Yeah. yeah, it was just a really beautiful space. But yeah, it had, you know, big rooms and multiple rooms that we could sort of retreat into. I mean, I think that's the other thing with us both um, being self-employed now and even before then working remotely. Um, yeah, it's important to have little nooks that you can go into to do your own work. and Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we both really enjoyed that space because of that. For sure. There was, like, I had, like, over the course, we were there again two months, I had, like, developed three different altars. So, like, I had an altar <laughs> in my bedroom to, like, myself, my inner child. I had an altar in the, like, bedroom that I did a lot of work in to my business, a little business altar. Mm-hmm. And then in the space outside of the kitchen where I was painting, I eventually built a creativity altar. I don't know, there's just something about having a space for an intention. I mean, that's a huge privilege, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also an asset. An that's asset right, in yeah. a way that I didn't... Well, I guess what I did kind of know, because that was part of why we were thinking of building onto the home in Nashville, right. was because it was so small. It was very. It was becoming very hard for me to detach my creative work life from my personal self. Because mm-hmm. um, in Nashville... I basically converted our living dining room, like open concept area, into my studio. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the largest part of the house. And we had like our bedroom and right. your office and the kitchen yeah. and the bathroom. Yeah. So, very meager. And no real way to get to any of those spaces without walking through your studio. 
I mean, I think that's the other thing that I'm have been thinking a lot about um, as we plan this next move (laughs) is, yeah, you've never really had a studio that you could completely close off and, you know, no, no foot traffic through unless you want it. Um, Yeah. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how that um, allows your practice to grow too. So what Trey's talking about is while we were in La Quinta, we kind of had uh, separately, but then, you know, we shared about it and realized it was a mutual need um, or desire. So in La Quinta, just realizing, oh, like, I really need, or I really want a studio space that is not just part of the home. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really want a space that I can ground into for longer than two months. So Mm -hmm. we started looking, we knew that we wanted to end up in Portland, Maine. We had planned to drive across the country and kind of slowly make our way over there. Um, And what happened to that? (laughs) Um, I, well, from my perspective, I started looking at what that drive looked like and, um, was not very excited about doing that. Um, especially with Nana, the cat that we had adopted when we were leaving Salt Lake. Um, yeah, she's a a feral or she was a, a street cat before, um, she had a foster home and then came to us and she doesn't love going in the carrier. She will, you know, we can coax her into it and do the travel that we need to do. But, um, thinking about all of those stops along the way to Portland, Maine from Southern California, which is literally the, I mean, as far across the country as you could possibly go. Um, yeah, it just didn't seem ideal. Um, so we decided to fly there. Um, so we're going to do that March 3rd. Uh-huh. Um, and about three weeks, I guess, or so from now. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. you said that she doesn't love going in the carrier. That is absolutely not true. She goes in there of her own accord. <laughs> so what we do is on a daily basis, we hide snacks in the carrier. And so right. she makes it a habit to go in there to check on snacks, to get snacks. But what we have found is that, you know, whenever we inevitably have to, like, move and we zip her up in there, and it's a surprise, she does not want to go in the carrier for a few days after that. Right. And so we were just thinking it would just really not be feasible to stop for, you know, just a few days in a place. Um, yeah. Or even a she night. Tire yeah. out real quickly. Right. <laughs> and start avoiding the carrier more. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to make it easy on all of us um, for sure. yeah I mean I it's really like talking about this now I realize I'm putting a lot of it on her but like I also didn't want <laughs> to drive across the country yeah. um, well because so let's just share about that so like kind of why not um I'm with you just yeah I mean it's it I think when we looked it up it was around 50 hours total of driving um and yeah, that's just doesn't that doesn't um, excite me. Um, it, I think maybe it would excite me more if these were places that we hadn't already driven through. But um, I'm ju- I'm much more excited just to be there in Portland, Maine, than to drive there. Yeah, maybe um, a six hour like round right. or total trip flight time. Right. 
Um, um, and we found a place. The place has like a studio mm-hmm. space where I can completely close it off and it can be separate from the house. Mm-hmm. We can still have plenty of rooms yeah. to be a human mm-hmm. being and not yeah. just an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so that's super exciting. I think we found um, a really nice little starter place to uh, explore Portland from and see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we'll, that does mean selling our car here um, and some of the rest of our belongings. I mean, we've been packing everything into our Prius when we move each time, so <laughs> yeah. we which, definitely don't have much. <laughs> which was the thing that I was not looking forward to about the move. Like, mm, I yeah. feel very, I, I feel it in my chest, this kind of constricting I mean, I think the word for it is claustrophobia mm-hmm. um, with all of our stuff in the car. Yeah. And it's it's doable, even for that 10-hour drive. Yeah. But I think day in, day out, for a yeah. week or more, it would feel... Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, because... Um, and we have a small cargo box that we put on the top of our car um, when we were in Salt Lake. Because we knew we were going to need a little extra space for Nana. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to pack everything into that small car. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just our clothes and art food. supplies and some My coffee food, grinder, coffee yeah. grinder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things just add up very quickly, yeah. um, in such a small space. So, um, we're going to ship some of the things that we obviously don't want to lose, um, across. Um, just by mail, and I then pack up my art collection in yeah. a suitcase so it can be close at hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll just fly across and um, have what we have when we get there, and then buy what we need and um, buy a new car, which is something we've been wanting to do um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do feel like we it would behoove us to have a different kind of car for Maine. Um, so, yeah, all of those things are in process. And in a month, they'll all be <laughs> done. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, we've kind of spoken to, like, this great adventure and our intention behind it and kind of what, like, where it's taken us so far. Um, but I think that it's also important to note that these aren't the only changes that have happened mm. um, last month. Yeah. Was it last month? No. Yeah. Yeah, January. Yeah. Um, well, I'm assume I'm assuming I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. So January seventh was my last day at a job that I had had for eight years, mm-hmm. eight and a half years. Yeah. So that is a huge change, um, and has brought up a lot of things for me. Um, especially as, as we've moved into this new space in the desert, which is um, much smaller it's and cozier. It's the smallest house we've lived in. Yeah, ever. the smallest house we've ever lived in, yeah. Um, I guess it's maybe a little tiny bit bigger than the apartment we lived in when we first met each other. But That apartment was 900 square feet, Yeah, and this is 750 square feet, yeah. so, so it even actually smaller. is smaller, and there's yeah. no closets here. And we did have at least a couple closets <laughs> in the other place. Yeah, there's... That is, it's a weird thing to live in um, the smallest space you've lived in after living in the biggest space you've lived in. Yeah, the contrast yeah. was quite noticeable. So the contrast was um, diffi- more difficult for me than I would have thought. 
Um, definitely, I think part of that was also having left my job. Um, I am historically very much a doer and someone who, you know, even um, as early as like elementary school, like always wanting to get straight A's to prove my worth and um, that continued all the way through high school and college. Um, I had, you know, multiple part-time jobs in college. I got out of college and immediately went into Teach for America. Um, I've never not had a job or um, been like very actively pursuing my education. Um, and that's super tied up in the way that I view myself. So definitely have been working through a lot of feelings of like worth, self-worth um, while we've been here and um, decoupling some of that past, um, those past beliefs of, you know, I need to earn something to be worthy or um, I need to do something to show that I'm worthy. Um, so yeah, that's been a really nice um, but difficult um, practice to um, to undertake as we're spending our last month in California. Yeah, and I mean, looking back, like when we decided to sell the home and it went on the market, this is pretty much like tracks for our different personality types, right? I'm an Enneagram 4, I feel things very quickly and intensely. And I immediately kind of, I guess, as soon as like August started this grieving process where I would just like cry out of nowhere or like I, I, around that time I traveled to Medora with my mom and I have like this memory of like I had just been introduced to Taylor Swift's newer work and just driving around the national park listening to like folklore and evermore mm -hmm. and just like mourning, um, mourning the person who I became in Nashville, mourning the person who owned a house in Nashville, mm -hmm. mourning just all of those different versions of myself who I love and to, day, to this day still honor, but I'm just not her anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and that morning process, I mean, continued like into our first home on this trip in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, and so I think that for you, it just kind of took the totally. leaving your job behind to kind of for it to all catch up to you. Yeah. And to have the space to probably process the emotion, right? Because. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, work is has always been a way, um, and I don't mean like the creative work that you and I love to do. I mean the job that I've had for the last eight years um, has always been a way for me to avoid um, feelings, I think, um, or just kind of pour myself into that work and um, then not have to think about those other things. So yeah, losing that or, you know, not losing it, I just get cutting it off um, by my own free will um, has definitely allowed me to to grow into those, um, those new modes of not avoiding things, um, which is something that I've worked on for years, um, but I don't think I realized how closely tied my, my job was to that. 
Yeah, um, so you're just getting like a different layer of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really good work. It's been um, challenging and rewarding in equal measure. Um, but like to what you were saying, yeah, I mean, you were grieving even before we sold the house. I was more in like go mode, <laughs> do yeah. mode, yeah. Um, which is my default of, you know, making sure everything was ready for us to leave the house, um, making sure we when we got settled in Salt Lake, then I was already sort of on to like, where are we going next and those sort of things. And just like very much looking forward rather than being present um, a lot. Um, or, you know, like I was saying, diving into work and um, just using that to um, avoid being present. So, yeah, this is um, this last month and a, and a half now has really been sort of a, a reawakening for me in a really good way. A lot of crying, a lot of um, feelings. Um, yeah, but it's been it's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, and from the other side of it, it's been really great because as someone who has big emotions, like, I mean, for the longest time in our relationship, I would, like, go in another room to cry, not because I, well, just because it felt like such an intimate and personal thing, didn't feel safe to share it with someone yet, mm-hmm. even someone who I share everything else with, um, and so it wasn't probably until maybe these, like, past five, four to five years in our relationship that I'd been more and more comfortable crying around you Mm -hmm. and you've been such a great support of like knowing that if I'm crying I don't want you to necessarily immediately come over and like see what's wrong um and so learning I guess how to be on the other side of that because it's not that you have never cried in our relationship but usually when you cry it's from being moved by like someone's artwork or a story or a film Mm. it's very connected to other people and so it's been beautiful for me to get to learn how to like well what kind of space you need right when you're in that state yeah um and how to support you and also how to honor my boundaries um depending on what i have capacity for in that moment totally yeah yeah so it's been this like kind of beautiful full circle moment from yeah. my perspective. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Um, and it's just been, it's just so nice to be seen by someone and to feel um, safe to have emotions yeah. in front of someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we are um, definitely not you and I, but I mean the, the royal we, us as, as humans in the society we live in are... Um, taught often to sort of hide those emotions for sure or to downplay them or to um do them in a room where no one can see mm-hmm. so yeah it's nice to to do them openly um when we need to there was this moment um last i think it was like last summer it might have been earlier than this summer though it might have been like last spring of 2021 where, and this was kind of like the precursor to Trey helping out with the business, but basically I was just encountering these like roadblocks where I knew where I wanted to go, but the next steps, I don't know, taking the large picture and chunking it down into small steps just kind of Mm. felt very uncomfortable. And so I remember like Trey getting out the white, or like, you know, me asking for help, 
him being available to help and him getting out the whiteboard and us muddling through it. And I had some like strong emotions come up. I was crying because it was just, it was feeling hard for me to articulate what I wanted to communicate and just that kind of radical presence, which is like the divine masculine, right? The mm. ability to just like hold whatever, <laughs> whatever is happening without needing to change it or contain it or manipulate, like to do anything to it. And it just, I, I remember coming out of that experience because I, like, I cried and I, you know, moved through it and then we had come up with a game plan at the end and it just felt so good. And then I cried some more because it was like, oh my God, I never had this as a kid. I've never had someone to just kind of like help me with my homework or, mm. or do those kind of things and tolerate the fullness of me, right? Because yeah. it was like, um, I think my emotions just triggered things in my parents where they just really weren't available. Right. Um, to yeah. that. And I think even, I mean, five years ago, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have been able to, to be that for you. I think I would have tried to problem solve it much more mm-hmm. rather than holding space for you and, and supporting you. Um, so yes. I think that's been part of my, my growth too, is just like not trying to fix things necessarily. Um, there's a different, a difference between helping and supporting someone and, and trying to fix or problem solve for them. Um, and that's, that's definitely been something that I've learned, um, through relationship with you. Um, I think before I met you, I was definitely like, and this is from the way I was raised was just, um, try to fix things as quickly as possible so that there aren't emotions or so that like everyone's fine. <laughs> yeah. Cause um, emotions felt threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that it's beautiful that we're able to, to be that for each other now. Um, and that's just, I mean, that's just a testament to like the things that we've been practicing and, and growing into. Um, so what are some of those things? Like what are the practices that help you? to grow and to kind of just um, continue to be a more and more expansive version of yourself? Well, I think, I mean, I think that, um, I think that in regards to that specifically, in regards to like releasing that need to fix or to shore things up so that everyone's okay, quote unquote, um, just releasing that just came from like me being more self-aware I think I would I think I spent a lot of years being very unaware of myself and my own feelings um just or just like kind of burying them and avoiding them and um I think as I became more self-aware and more in tune with those feelings I was well I was better able um, to release that need to fix because that was, I mean, that is a need that I was doing that for my own, um, avoidance, avoidance or benefit. Yeah. Right. I was fixing it because I didn't want to, be to feel that discomfort, yeah. um, of someone else's emotions or of watching someone struggle through something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think for me it was just becoming aware of that and um, realizing that I was, I mean, that's a caretaking behavior. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's where like labels or like Gay Hendrix writes about like shining the light of awareness on whatever's happening. Just not even to fix it, just to name it, the power that's inherent in that. Because once you can see it and name it immediately, just by nature of you looking at it, its behavior changes, right? We know that is like a thing on a cellular level, mm -hmm. like electrons responding differently to people observing them, like right. our emotions and ourself. Like when we can see something and witness it, that in and of itself starts to unlock things. Yeah. It creates more space. For us to try on different mm -hmm. responses. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, to bring it back to, like, now, I think that's similar to the work that I'm doing with realizing how tied my worth is to work um, and doing. And, yeah, just shining a light on that and realizing that and letting go of that part of me and, and starting to understand and really believe in my inherent worth um, outside of doing things um, yeah and that's yeah I mean it's it's interesting you I think we always or at least I always um, sort of feel like I have a beat or like my finger on what's going on with me emotionally. Um, but sometimes you're just sort of blindsided by it or realize that you really just haven't been paying attention to that. Um, and that's, that's definitely how this last month and a half has felt. Um, yeah. Did you want to talk any about the work that you're currently doing and the growth edges of that yeah but i think let's save that for next time. thanks for sharing so much of your own growth um yeah and thanks for Happy tuning to. in yeah thanks y'all for for listening um this is a growth edge for both of us to share and to not have things prepared like we consciously decided we're not going to come into these episodes with a script um, really or even much of, a, of an idea outside of just the intention to be present and to share mm. from our hearts. Um, and so we're kind of just treating it like an experiment. And yeah, I feel like this has been, I mean, this is probably what, our fourth conversation on record, mm -hmm. on record? Yep. Um, yeah, I think that they keep getting smoother and smoother. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to um, to do more. All right, well, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. All bye. right, bye.